Hey, how's everybody doing today? This is Mark Brody back here with the next episode of Coffee Talk with Brohawk. And today I, I'm very honored and humbled to have Denise Waiters uh, with me on this episode. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, customer service, customer experience, and some work that Denise has done um, at JD Power. And so uh, with that, Denise, welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm happy to be here today. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so, Denise, before we get started, can you uh, can you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and, and some of the work that you do these days? Sure. Well, my, my name is Denise Waiters, and I am a senior director in the Customer Experience Intelligence Group at J.D. Power. I serve as a subject matter expert for some of our benchmarking and um, best practices in, in customer service and customer experience arena. So my, I started in customer service and customer experience quite by chance. So after graduate school, I went to the University of Virginia uh, Darden School for, for um, to get my MBA. And after that, I started working at Arthur Anderson. So I know I'm, I'm dating myself right now, but I started working in the consulting industry with, with Arthur Anderson. So I worked in that arena for about five years. And then after that, I took like an internal consulting role with American Express and this was in the early 2000s. And I had this large enterprise-wide project working in a contact center. So I didn't know anything about contact centers. I was just a project manager. But the project went so well. It was such a successful project that um, I was hired into the contact center um, as a director in their contact center. It was so long ago. And then I led the um, customer service sales and disputes team there. And so that's kind of how I got started in customer service. And since then, and, you know, there's a lot of roles I'm skipping in between, but I've also led two other contact centers for two other large organizations. And so that's where I started. And, and that's, that's where my passion lies uh, today. That's <laughs> awesome. You know, it, it's amazing how many, how many of us didn't actually go to school to work in a contact center. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I say that all the time. I don't know anyone that said that I want to work in a contact center. I just don't know. I think like a, in my opinion, it's like a default role for so many. I mean, people get into the role, you know, sometimes because they want to work for a certain organization and that's yeah. the easiest way to get in. And then sometimes it's like a transition role. I'm in school, I have six months left or I need a flexible job or, or something like that. And sometimes people get into the industry and they just love it and it sticks and they stay there for a lifetime. But I don't know anyone who plans to be in the contact center. <laughs> not, not on purpose, that's for sure. But like you said, you know, we start working in the industry and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, all right, we, we can't leave. We, we can't, yeah. we can't find something else. to. We don't want to find something else to do because this is so, it becomes a passion of ours that's um, right. to be able to help and serve. So, that's right. That's right. So, in your role, Denise, um, with JD Power, um, know that um, that you recently published a uh, cross industry study. Um, right. You know, and uh, I, I know that uh, uh, that this 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 study was massive. What were some of the drivers or hypotheses hypothesize or hypotheses um, for conducting the study? Why why did you why did you embark on that journey? Well, we embarked on the journey because, so one of our hypotheses is that, or the main hypothesis or the practice is that a good experience anywhere influences expectations everywhere. 
So what that means is no matter whether a customer is, you know, paying a bill or they are, you know, changing their address or they're changing a plan or something like that, we believe that customers expect a certain level of service, no matter the industry. J.D. Power has all of these studies and in all of our studies, we ask customer service questions. And so we have all of this data. So we decided, why don't we use the cross-industry data? Why don't we put together a study with all of this data so that, you know, so because we have it and we can share it. Yeah. And so that that's kind of how we started. So we ended up with this new benchmark. We have this new industry benchmark, cross-industry. We have close to 100 brands in this study. And the name of the study is the J.D. Power Cross-Industry Customer Service Experience Study. And there are 11 industries and, you know, some of them are segments. But we looked at them and we also looked at several channels because people now are interacting with brands via lots of channels. And so we we evaluated the phone channel, the in-person experience, the mobile app, the website. Uh, We also looked at chat and email and mail. We kind of grouped that in one category. And that's the category where people correspond with the brand. They actually send correspondence to the brand. And then we looked at social media. So the study includes all of this. And so we set out to determine, you know, what, what do customers expect today from customer service brands? And, you know, who is leading, you know, who is leading in the customer service arena? Because so many industries are now blended. I mean, at one point, there was a distinct industry. And today, there is, you know, there's a, the line has just been crossed. And so we're just trying to understand what people want today or what they're expecting today and who's kind of leading the innovation as it relates to delivering quality service. And so that's what the study's about. That that is awesome. Would yeah. would you would you be interested in share a few a few of the uh, findings that you had from the study and maybe any uh, anything that was like a surprise yeah. um, that you weren't expecting? I can I can. So one thing I want to say is that this study involves customer service interactions from initial contact through problem resolution. So it's from the start okay. to the finish of the study. So the biggest thing that we found in the study is that customer satisfaction is highly impacted by the level of effort that a customer has to exert. And so the more effort, the lower the customer satisfaction scores. That came out just loud and clear in the study. Yeah. For quite some time, this is not new revelation, but it, it's clear that that's what people are expecting today. So now we evaluated the channels also because with COVID, Brands are now having to deliver service in, in new ways or ways that they never had to before. And so, you know, customers are expecting, you know, now that we've gone through the COVID years and, you know, passed that um, yep. to a degree, now brands know how to deliver and customers have to develop new channels. Like there was a point when my mom would never go on an app and pay her bill. She just wouldn't do that. But because we, we have to now, she does that. And so now we're, you know, Customers are expecting a different level of service because they know that they can. So, so that's that's the main finding we found that customer service, I mean, that uh, customer effort um, is extremely important. The second thing we found out, and one of the things that I, you know, I had several podcasts um, leading up to the study. The second thing we, we were setting out to determine which industry kind of leads the path as it relates to customer service. And customers told us that the investment segment, which is under the financial services industry, 
leads the path and um, overwhelmingly so. So, you know, I was guessing before I was like, who do you think who's going to come up at the top? So we didn't rank the brands uh, for this inaugural study. We will probably rank them next year. We just want to make sure that we got the study right this year. But the investment segment is, you know, heads and tails above many others. And in terms of the channel, you know, again, we, we evaluated six channels and the channel that had the highest customer service ratings overall across all industries is the in-person channel. There's just something about really person to person. Yeah, I was surprised about that. I was really surprised. There's just something about um, dealing with people. And they told us that we're like, wow, who, who would have expected that today? And um, they say they prefer to talk to people. And so uh, <laughs> the in-person <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a byproduct of, of you know, what occurred during the pandemic, you know, people are like, okay, I really like people now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd like to interact with them a little bit more, either face-to-face -face or, or in other ways. And that, that's kind of an interesting finding because, um, you know, I guess a lot of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the contacts in the world would say, yeah, we, you know, people don't want to interact with a person like live. They want to, they want to do, you know, self-service or things like that. So great, great outcome from, uh, from the study is, is yeah. uh, in-person is back. Yeah, in-person is back. You know what I think it is too, you know, since many brands have gone or trying, you know, or going for the digital transformation, they're trying to make sure, well, first of all, it's cost effective to have digital solutions, right? So yes customer can go online and pay their bill, why should they call into the contact center? Because contact centers are, are generally the most expensive forms of, of servicing. So of course they want to reduce their expenses, but also it's a way to deliver on what customers want. Like for customers, I really don't want to call into a contact center. Like I never want to. And whenever I call into a contact center, it's for a purpose. It's because I have to pay a bill. It's because yeah. they're with you. And so it's just an administrative task. It's something on a list of things to do. I really don't want to call. And I think there are lots of people like me. And um, so, you know, it's, 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 I, you know, I think brands are, are, they are trying their best to deliver on that, but it's not an easy, it's not an easy balance because some people just want to call into a contact center because when there's a real issue, they want to speak to a person. So I can yep. pay my bill, I can do this or that, but when there's a problem and I think I'm going to have to explain it to more and I don't think that the chat pot is going to understand it or there is a time is of the essence, I don't want to have to pay an interest rate or something is happening, I have to call into a contact center because I want to make sure that you understand what I need or whatever. And I think there are many like that. Yeah, how would you define, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about this. How would you define uh, the how customer effort uh, relates to customer service, customer experience based on some of the findings. Um, I know we've kind of talked about this, um, but is it is it related to like resolution or is it knowledge uh, that they feel that the customer feels like they have to, you know, potentially hop channels in order to get to a resolution? I know I've walked, walked into some places and they said, yeah, you're going to get a better deal if you call the contact center. Well, you know, you know that's unfortunate. Because 
one of the things that I, what brands need to do is they want to, they should make sure that all their channels deliver the same service. And yes. I know I've led, you know, I've been a practitioner. I've been on the strategic side and the operational side. And um, I know that there was a point at one of the brands where if you went on the website, you got one response. And then when you called in, you got an, another. Yep. That is not the way to do business. And, 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 and customers know that. And so it's like, if you want the better deal, do this. And that shouldn't be. So I think brands need to do a better job of making sure that all of their channels deliver a seamless experience, right? And so yes. people seamless, frictionless experiences, and they want to solve their problems quickly. And so they've told us that time and time again. So those that's some those are some of the opportunities and challenges that the brands face today. Yeah, I mean, um, I I love the way you put that. You know. Create it seamlessly and frictionlessly um, across all the channels, and so it's a consistent experience regardless of where. You know, obviously, you know we can't go into a lot of the details. We don't want to go into a lot of the details of of the study here, but uh, it, it's a huge impact when consumers feel that there's a disconnect uh, between right. channels. Right, so, right, right, right. Yeah. You know, so I can tell you share some additional findings too, because there were there were a couple of. Um, you know, we talk about surprises. So one one um, finding that I want to say it didn't surprise me, it actually astounded me, is mm -hmm. the fact that when customers call into a brand, like 40% 40, 40 of the customers in the study said um, that they have to repeat themselves more than once. And that's a real issue. Part of that is because of you know, IVR handoffs and, and, and authentication and, um, you know, just, just the whole transfer process. But that needs to be addressed because that's one of the worst things. It's like you, you know, brands put all this money into authenticating customers and then they're supposed to be screen pop for the agents to say, you know, you should be able to come on and say, hello, Denise, I see that you, you know, you, you know, you've authenticated yourself. I know who you are. Um, and you should just go right into that conversation and it doesn't happen. So yes. not only are these brands paying for this technology that's not necessarily working, but it's frustrating the customers and 40% of the, the customers in our study said they had to do that. So that is a, a major, major issue. Another finding that we found is that a good experience is, is not good enough. And what we found is that if brands are not providing a great experience, it impacts their NPS and their brand loyalty numbers. And so that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, customer says good, it's got to be great. You know, it, it that that's, um, and when we had talked previously, um, that's that was something that just stood out. Good is not good enough. Yes. And you know, when I when I talk to to folks um, today, it's like, look, your your customer experience, your NPS isn't being judged upon you and your your industry peers. It's being you know compared to you know the best experiences that that your consumers are having. So if they're not able to get it with you, they're going to keep on searching and find it somewhere else. Right. Is that something you were seeing? No, no. One thing I think that you know. Brands should not confuse um, loyalty and advocacy because, for example, if, you know, I go to the local stores right here because they're close in proximity to me. It doesn't mean they're the best quality. It just means that I don't want to drive, 
you know, so you have five miles to do this or to do that. But it doesn't mean that I'm a, an advocate. It just means that I'm loyal to them because they're down the street. But if something better comes in, I'm going to do better and go better. And so I think brands need to really understand their customers and, and listen to their feedback. So that's one of the recommendations that I would make um, to brands that one of the things they need to focus on is listening to their customers. And I know that we always hear that and it sounds elementary and intuitive, but I think a lot of brands just check the box for getting this feedback, but they don't do anything with it. I can yes. tell you my experience, we used to collect feedback all the time and we would act on those things that, you know, needed to be acted upon, acted upon, but it, but we didn't pay attention to some of the more common reasons. We didn't have the technology that helped us see patterns and customer sentiment. And, um, and so now there are all these tools out there that can help brands focus in that area. And I think they need to take advantage of it because that is how you move to the next level of innovation. And yes. um, so, so technology has really uh, changed the game for many brands. When you were talking about the omni-channel experience, the first thing that popped into my head was, was you know, technology and how it plays a role into, into creating those great experiences, um, creating those personalized experiences, you know, more so than, than anything else. And when you have brands that are collecting data, they're, they're doing analytics, they're surveying the 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 heck out of their their customers. Um, they're surveying their internal folks, and so they, there's so much data um, that's available to them. And then you know where's it going? Is it, it it's it's sitting in that you know file thirteen or something like that? Right. Um, myself down. Right, right. How do you synthesize it? And so brands have yeah. to synthesize this data and do something with it. And I don't know, I'm not sure that all of them are, are doing that. <laughs> I mean, and there's an expense to it, you know, um, obviously, but what's the expense of not doing it? You know, where, where should, where do you think organizations or brands um, should be focusing when it comes to improving customer effort? Is it, is it simply doing something with the data? Yeah. Prioritizing the data that they have, or is there something else? Yeah, I think, you know, for, for one, um, I, I think they need to to listen to their customer, listen mm -hmm. to their and actually do stuff with the data. I also think there's a huge opportunity with listening to your agents, your representatives, mm -hmm. because I tell everyone that that the the employees are the voice of the brand. So a company can have a great strategy, they can have a wonderful marketing plan, they could it could it could be a beautiful program, it could all work well, but the rubber hits the road when there's an issue and the customer has to call in and they speak to an agent. And that agent needs to be able to deliver that same experience. And if they don't, there is a disconnect. And so just listening to your customers and listening to um, your, rep your phone representatives who are on the ground. I mean, they hear everything firsthand. And so I think um, many brands have the opportunity to use their contact centers strategically instead of tactically. Yeah, I always, I, I talk to um, to folks, um, you know, in, in some of the consulting that I do, and I say, you know, picture your contact center as, as the hub, provides the spoke to every other piece of your organization. Right. And if you're not partnered with your contact center, 
and your contact center isn't owning those interactions, you're, you're missing the game because as I'm sure you, you've seen, a lot of organizations will have uh, marketing own the social channels as an example. Right. And, you know, their, their focus is on marketing and creating, creating buzz. But, right. you know, one of the things that, that um, resonates with me is, you know, some people are using that, that social channel. Some consumers are using that social channel as a way to uh, vent or provide feedback and if it's not being collected by by somebody and actioned, I think they're missing the boat. Yeah, and, and brands need to also watch their social media brands, their, their social media channels, uh, in part because customers are beginning to use that channel as a way to complain. And you know, it's mm-hmm. you know, you have to be careful about what's out there, and you need to manage that. And so, you you need to have a social media team today. <laughs> yeah you know, to make that full circle and, and, to, and to deliver on that experience. And, and regardless of the size of the organization, I mean, if you're, if you're going to have, you know, a social media experience for your customers, you have to have that integrated in some way, shape or form to the, to an operational, operational actions or, or in some cases, in actions. That's um, right. So it, it's another, it's another entry point. Um, you know, you know, pivot a little bit to CSAT, uh, you know, related to knowledge of the representative. Uh, and this is one that I, I find I, that I have a lot more conversations about these days is, is you know, people are, are looking, uh, organizations are looking at their knowledge, uh, knowledge management process, uh, not just as knowledge articles, but integrated into everything else that, that's um, being done with the customer. Do you do you see um, do you see knowledge as, as potentially being a negative experiential driver for customer effort? I think rep knowledge is incredibly important. I can tell you that personally, when I call into a contact center and I know I'm speaking to a rep who is not knowledgeable, I much rather mm-hmm. have if I'm on yeah. a chat and I'm speaking to a chat agent and I know they don't understand, I know that it's going to be a it's long drawn out experience that's simply going to frustrate me. So I'd rather in that chat and start a new one. If I'm in a location, a kiosk, a store, I have an in-person experience, I'd rather go to the other side of the store into another department to, to find someone knowledgeable. So I can tell you that rep knowledge is always going to be important. It's going to be critical. Training is very important. And honestly, that project that I talked about when um, I first started in the industry was all about rep knowledge and increasing CSAT one agent at a time. It was a it was a fantastic project. But what I also want to say for this project is what we found is something our customers told us that rep knowledge was not number one um, this year. I, let me just read some of our stats to you. Um, so what we found in this year's study, is that customers want to be called by their name. That's the first, that's, that's extremely important to them, which that surprised me, but it's it's true. And I guess that that's a part of um, being a customer and feeling valued. And the second mm-hmm. thing is they want agents to have all information available. And I presume that's because now that there are so many channels, if I interact with you on your app, and then I have to call you a few weeks later for, for some other reason. I need you to know that this is my third time calling. Or I need yeah. you to know that I have purchased 
this issue, this, this product or this service twice and it didn't work or it did work. And I, so I need you to know who I am. So a good CRM system will do that, but mm-hmm. agents have told us that's extremely important. Let me read some stats to you also. So for the in-person channel, although 76% of the brands in the study are meeting that KPI, the agent addresses the customer by name, so that's good. There is a 258 index score gap for brands that are not calling their agents by name. And we're talking wow. about 1,000 points. The study is only 1,000 points. 258 index score gap. And um, for the having all information available, although 85% of the brands in the study do that and they are meeting that rule, there's a 348 index score gap for those that don't have all the information available. So I present that to you because sometimes, you know, we're overwhelmed with new initiatives, but one mm-hmm. that you should not ever stop is personalizing the experience for the, for your customers. That's what they overwhelmingly told us that they want and need and yes. brand need to keep that up. And for those that are not just implementing, call this person by name. And there's some industries that, that, that do a good job of that. When you, when you walk up to them, they call you by your name. And then there are others that aren't. And yes. uh, easy fix. It's one of the most basic foundational pieces uh, yes. of working in an, and, and I, I, Hate to use the word contact center more of an interaction center right. um you know it's one of the most basic functions is is create that personal relationship with uh with your with your customer uh, as soon as they get on the phone and it's not a matter of making sure you say thank you four times uh, right. during the conversation because that's that that's ridiculousness yes it is you know, and it feels weird when you do that too often you really need to be authentic yes speaking with your customers and customers know when you are being authentic and when you're not. <laughs> Correct. And, and I think that plays into the whole personalization piece. You know, call me by my name. You know, if I say, don't call me Mark, call me Mr. Brody, that you hear what I'm saying. You're not just like listening and going through the motions. You know, we want to make sure that we're having a conversation that's going to get to a resolution. And I'm not calling you up just because I have nothing else to do today. Right, right. And, and, and the goal, the goal of every conversation should be to reduce effort. It really should be. Yes. It, you know, we're, I'm calling you because I have a need. I'm on my lunch break or I'm not. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just a, um, it's a lazy Saturday afternoon, but I'd much rather be doing what I'd like to be doing rather than speaking to a contact um, center agent talking about my new address, <laughs> you know, or paying my bill. Yes. So it's yes, all make it easy. Make it easy. And 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 really the way that we define um customer effort is the degree to which a customer needs to exert themselves. You know, yeah. you want to minimize that, make it a low effort experience so that they're willing to call back. Yes. <laughs> willing to call back, they're really willing to go on your app. And I, I you know, I, I will give up quality sometimes for ease and mm-hmm. our customers told us that um, they agree with that and <laughs> they, they have a, a similar philosophy. That's awesome. And, and I think it, it's going to force organizations to look at, at how they get to proficiency quicker with new hire agents and how do they retain agents a lot more effectively. What are you doing with your agents that's having an impact on your CSAT 
are you having to go ahead and, and start from ground zero every 15 to 20 days um you know with uh, with new agents and and you know why is that uh, and see what the impact is you know with studies like like uh what you what you've just finished up denise you know this is this is the root cause or this is the result of lower cultural values or lower um lower retention or higher yeah higher attrition it results in uh, reduced knowledge of the of your agent lack of personalization because people are, are just not comfortable and proficient in in the information that they're sharing they're so focused on getting things right that they forget about the the, the foundation pieces in my opinion yeah and you know what you know i'm glad you, you touched on that because you know what i what i what i think is happening with in many industries is that they are not hiring for the right qualities in their agents so in the old days when or when contact centers first started you know um or came on the scene it was important that you you were empathetic um and sympathetic to the customer's needs and you apologized and you and customers had to call you because there was no way that they could solve the problem on their own. Yep. Hey, customers can solve many of their own issues. And so mm-hmm. you need to, I think brands need to begin to look for agents that take actions into their own hands who are, you know, they, they need to be empathetic with the customer, but they also need to know that when a customer calls in, they've already tried on their own to fix things or they've already read up on what the solution is, or they already know what's available to them um, because they know that you did it for John Doe and it's all over the internet, so you can do it for me. So when, yeah. when customers call in, they want an agent that takes control of the situation and gets right to the solution. Thank you for mm-hmm. what you're concerned. And they act like it's their own business. Like I'm controlling the situation. I'm gonna take it from beginning to end. And so- these agents now to need to be a lot more empowered. I hate to use that word because that was a word from, we, we just overdid that word um, in the past, but they really need to be comfortable enough to take risks on behalf of the customer. I think that's- important. I love it. I, I once, I'll tell a quick story, Denise, if you're okay with it. I once had a, I worked in um, the student loan industry for a number of years and one of my representatives um, was talking to a school representative and trying to get her to to transfer the customer conference call the customer over over to our our contact center. And person's like, I don't know how to use my phone. So what did this representative do? She googled and then emailed over the instructions on how to conference and walked her through the conference and, and it was all done you know, you know, real time. And I'm like, that's, is it in the, is it in our process? No, guess what? You have powered and fixed the situation. And that, that client of ours was going to become even more, more of an advocate of us because of that situation. It went off script on behalf of the customer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that that's, uh, you know, that's what, you know, every agent should should have feel like they're empowered to do, and and nothing punitive is going to happen to them. You know, as a result. But they also have to have the the, the desire to support a customer. 
I remember um, at, when I led the contact center, one of the executive members sent me an e- a book, sent a book to me. And the book was titled, what was the name of the book? The book was like, would you want this done to your mother? And so I oh, yes. about that. It's something like that. And, and I think about that when I want you to treat the customer like you would want your mom or your sister or your child treated when they call in. So if you begin yes. to think about it, you take it personally, like how would I want to be treated? Or when mm-hmm. the mother calls in, how are you going to treat her? That's how you need to treat the customer. <laughs> I, I saw the author of that book speak at a conference a few years back. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, she was absolutely amazing. The stories that she would tell about, you know, how her mother felt about interacting with, you know, as a consumer, it was, uh-huh. it was awesome. You get it right if you, if you, cons- when you think about it from a personal perspective. And I Thanks. think as leaders, our role is to help agents understand you know, it's just like voting. A lot of people say, you know, I didn't vote this year because it didn't make a difference. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? Every vote counts. And it's like that with agents. It's like they don't necessarily understand that that one conversation matters. And I think yes. as leaders, it's our responsibility to close the gaps and help them understand that that one conversation is is one of many and it tells the whole story of the brand. And so we have to constantly keep our agents motivated. As leaders, we need to be motivated. We need to be concerned about the customers. When we act like we're concerned, when we act with, um, you know, with compassion, with passion, with a sense of urgency, and we lead by example, it changes the dynamic in your environment. And I think you have better agents to serve. So, you know, your employees matters as well. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Denise, you and I could go down a purple squirrel hole um, yeah. on this particular topic for hours. I know we could. Yeah, um, we could. <laughs> Denise, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to uh, to to chat with us today. If someone wants to learn more about the, the J.D. Power Cross Industry uh, study, maybe wants to get a copy of it or participate in a future study, or just generally just wants to chat with you to pick your brain on, on things, how, how should they go ahead and contact you? Yeah, so for one, if you're interested in the study, um, I can tell you that J.D. Power has you know over 50 studies. Um, certainly hope you're interested in the cross-industry customer service experience study, but you can go on jdpower.com forward slash business to learn all about this study that we talked about today and some of the other studies. There's lots of, um, you know, you'll hear about our capabilities and our solutions and lots of insight on there. Just want to know about our products and services. But if you want to reach out to me, um, the best way to do that is at insights at discover.jdpower.com. Excellent. Well, we will definitely share that out with everybody as well. Um, And Denise, I just want to, once again, thank you very much for, um, for being an awesome, awesome guest on this episode of, of Coffee Talk with Broha. And uh, I look forward to having you back at a future, uh, on a future episode. Maybe we can go down one of those purple squirrel holes. Um, yeah. Employee employee experience, employee engagement. Oh my gosh. I'm sure we, we can for share hours many examples. I'm sure we can share many examples. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me, Mark. I enjoyed being here today, talking to you and talking about our study. 